My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad you're joining us. Whether here in the sanctuary or online, we are just honored to celebrate Jesus' birth with you this Christmas season. It's such an exciting time, and we're talking about the fact that God is with us. In Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus came down from heaven to earth to truly be that God with us. We don't do this life alone. God is with us in a very special and powerful way. As we think about celebrating Christmas, uh, we lo- there's one of the many concepts we love to celebrate at this time of year is this concept of home, getting to be home for Christmas or having our loved ones come home. Home is such an exciting place to be in, in this season. Uh, in, the, in the autumn of 1943, It was not an easy time for Americans. We were right in the middle of World War II, and things were very, very difficult. That autumn, many Americans, millions of Americans, were faced with the reality that their loved ones may not be home for Christmas, or they may not be able to go home to be with their loved ones. Maybe not that year, maybe not ever. It was a very, it was an incredibly difficult time. So how do you celebrate Christmas in the middle of that kind of time. Well, a number of Americans contributed to help kind of improve the celebration that year a little bit. What could we do to make it extra special? Bing Crosby recorded a song that we still sing today, a very famous song that was, about, was basically written from the perspective of someone who was planning to be home for Christmas. He invited them, or he asked them, to get everything ready for us. Danny, you know those words? So we have him sing, not me, you'll notice. Um, (laughs) We sing these words, we love them, right? They remind us of home and what a special place it is. It's such an incredible, incredible thing to be able to be home for Christmas. And then in the song, it gets to the place, kind of the culmination of the song, where he talks about Christmas Eve. We got a little video. You could sing along if you would like. Christmas Eve will find me key phrase, if only in my dreams. Maybe I'll be able to be present, maybe it will only be in my dreams. Maybe I won't actually be able to be there, but in my heart, that's where I want to be. You know, we love this concept of home. Even take it away from just Christmas, we love to go home. For example, maybe you have a really tough day at work 
if you work away from your home and, and you just can't wait to get back home and to be able to have a meal with your family and just to be able to relax. Or maybe it's a Friday night and, and you have this weekend, you've got nothing big on the schedule outside of it and you say, I just get to be home. I just want to be home, I want to relax, I want to do the things there that I like to do. We love this, this concept of home. And one of the things we talk about at Christmas season is that Jesus wants to make his home in our hearts. Isn't that an amazing thing? The Son of God describes your heart as a place where he looks at like you look at home. It's a place where he wants to be, a place where he longs to be. The Son of God wants to be present in your heart. This is one of the the key themes of Christmas. And it's really an amazing thing because when we celebrate the fact that Jesus came to this earth, the disciples, they got some awesome time with him. They were with him when he did miracles, signs, and wonders. They were with him when he walked on the the, the sea, when he uh, fed the hungry, when he healed the sick, when he cast out the demons. They enjoyed meals with him. They enjoyed trips with him. They would, I'm sure, talk on the road, and Jesus would laugh at their jokes, right? Like this was, they did life with him. They did life with Jesus, God with us. It was an amazing thing, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a little jealous of the disciples. Like, what would that have been like to just get to have a conversation face-to-face with the Son of God? It's easy to almost covet a little bit, right? Like, I wish I could have that. Well, Jesus, one night, he gave them some really difficult news. They were celebrating the Passover together, and in John chapter 13, Jesus says this, Dear children, I'll be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. Imagine how sad that must have made them. They wanted to be with Jesus. They never wanted him to leave, and now he said, it's coming soon. You'll look for me, but I'm not going to be here. You can't find me. How devastating. Now, of course, we know the end of the story, but they didn't know it yet. But Jesus gave them some really good news later in that conversation. John chapter 14, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus is going to die, rise from the dead, ascend into heaven, but he's going to do something special. He's going to ask the Father to send another advocate. It'll be different than Jesus. In fact, in some ways, it'll be better. Because Jesus has been God with us, where now the Holy Spirit is going to be God in us. That's a big difference. Throughout the Old Testament, they had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit with them at times. For example, you have Samson, who is not a good guy, but the Holy Spirit would come upon him at times, not in him, but be right there with him, and would give him this superhuman strength that he could go out and, and conquer and, and do the things he was supposed to do. That's with, but in is different. In is a very different thing here. 1 Corinthians 6 describes it this way. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? 
who lives in you and was given to you by God. So on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and dwelt inside of the believers, that's a permanent thing. And now when we ask Jesus into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of us. He lives inside of us. And so in a sense, we have Jesus closer to us than even what they had with Jesus right by them. The truth of this message is here. God makes his home in our hearts when we say yes to Jesus. God makes his home in our hearts when we say yes to Jesus. In 1954, there was a a pastor named Robert Munger, and he preached a sermon about this that became pretty famous. He would even write a little booklet. It's a small booklet, still available on Amazon, by the way, called My Heart, Christ's Home. And it basically gives this illustration, thinking of Jesus coming into your heart like Jesus coming in to your home. If you imagine your life as a house, a structure, what would it be like to have Jesus come and to be your guest? It's kind of an illustration of what Ephesians chapter 3 says here. It says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Now here's the key verse, verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. His love, his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of, God, of life and the power that comes from God. Christ will make his home in your hearts. What does this mean? What does it mean for Christ to be at home, like to be a guest in my heart? That may sound confusing. Like, I don't know if that really happens. I mean, it sounds, well, by definition, invasive. What does this even mean? It's like Christ comes and he's the best guest ever. Maybe you've had some great guests in your life. Maybe you've had some not-so-great guests. You know, the kind they come and they eat your food, they mess stuff up, they, they change the channel on the TV to what they want, right? But Jesus is not like Cousin Eddie here, right? This is not Jesus, okay? He's not a bad guest. He's a great guest. He's the best guest ever. He's the best guest you could possibly imagine. For when Jesus comes in, he makes the place better. He actually improves your home. He makes it better than it's ever been before. What a change. What a blessing. Today, would you kind of walk through this in your imagination with me? Imagine Jesus coming to be the guest of your life, the guest in your heart. Uh, Your heart could be Christ's home. And it all begins like at the front door, right? Where you can open that door up and invite him in. Jesus says in the Bible, I stand at the door and knock, right? Like he doesn't force his way in. This is one of the incredible truths about God, is that even though he's all-powerful, he's the creator of the universe, he gives you and me free will. He allows us to make decisions for ourselves. 
He doesn't force his way into our lives. So Jesus is there. And when you say yes to him, when you ask him into your life, it means that we confess our sins. We say, Jesus, I've messed up. I've done a lot of stuff that I'm not proud of that goes against your will. And I need to be forgiven, but the fact is I can't pay the price for these sins. It's not possible. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that when you came to earth, when you died on the cross, that like the Bible says, you took my sins and you went to the cross. You gave your life for me. And now I can have eternal life. Now I can find hope and healing in you. So won't you come into my heart? And he does just that. He enters the house and immediately the atmosphere changes. He's one of those kind of guests. He improves the house just by stepping into it. Now, you don't just leave a good guest out there right in the foyer, right? You don't just leave the good, a good guest right there when you open the door. That would be rude. So you want to show him around a little bit. And that's called making Jesus the Lord of our lives. You see, when we invite him in, that's what we're, we're making him our Savior. We're asking him into our heart to forgive us. That's the beginning. And then we show him around. We let him experience what life is like in the rest of the house. So you take Jesus and you take him to like your home office, right? Maybe some of you work from home or maybe this is the place where you do the business of life. This is where you, you balance the checkbook or you look at the credit card statements. Uh, this is where you make the big decisions about whether it's medical stuff or whether it's where places we're going to live or where we're going to go on vacation or what we're going to do. These are decision, this is the decision-making place in the house. What if Jesus came into that room in your house? What would he think? What, what, what if he looked at, at the financial records? Would he smile or would he cringe a little bit? What if you left your, your web browsing history open there on the screen? What would he think? What if he, he could look at the central decisions of your life, the way that you do business day in and day out, what would his opinion be? I bet for most of us we'd say, well, there's a lot of good there, but there's also some things I wouldn't be so proud of. What if you would ask Jesus, say, Jesus, what would you do in here? How could you change this? Would you, would you clean it up a little? Would you make this place better? Would you make this place more efficient for you? I bet he would. He might, he might change some things. He might put, put a Bible there on the desk and say, let this be a lamp to your feet, a light to your path, that when you're making a decision, this is the central source of truth for you. He might, what if he would um, take his picture and put it up on the wall? Because when you're looking in the eyes of Jesus, you make better decisions, you know? When you keep yourself fixated, like Peter walking on the sea, he did pretty well till he took his eyes off Jesus. What if we had our eyes fixated on him like that? when we're making our core decisions. How would your decisions be different? How might you run the business of life different? Because the fact is, friends, it matters. The way that we work, the way that we do the business of life matters. Colossians 3.23 says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Working for the Lord. All those decisions matter to God. So you continue the little tour of the house, you go to one of my favorite places, the uh, kitchen and dining room, right? The area where you eat, 
That's a great place. It's probably a big place. It's a place we love to spend time because we all need food. This is such an essential thing in life. Jesus sits down at your table and he says, what's for dinner? He said, oh, this is some of my favorite things, right? Because what we eat, well, we say we are what we eat, right? So what we eat represents those things that that are top priorities to us. And you say, Jesus, we got some great stuff on the menu tonight. We've got success. We've got, we've got money. We've got our investments. We've got keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, we've got, what are your priorities? Maybe they're different than those. What would you say are priorities to you? Maybe it's some academic learning, or maybe it's uh, the importance of family, or whatever it may be. What, what would it be for you? And you're just chowing down, you're enjoying this, and you look over at Jesus, and he's, he's not really eating a lot. And you're like, Jesus, what happened? Did you, did you eat before you came to my house, or what, what are you doing here? And he says, no, it's just, um, my father has given me a food that is different than what you eat. You see, my food is to do the will of my father, which is in heaven. And it's, not all of your stuff is bad, but mine is more fulfilling than some of this. And you look and maybe you reevaluate. Maybe some of your food was exactly those good things he's cooking up. Or maybe Jesus goes over to the stove and he makes some things and it's, boy, it's better than you've ever had. And you look back at what you were eating and it's kind of like eating candy for dinner. Like first couple bites are nice, but you don't feel so good after a while. And you certainly aren't empowered to do the things you need. But but here, Jesus, he cooks for you, and he gives you the, the will of God in your life, and suddenly, it's like a superfood, right? Like, you, it's the protein that's going to keep you going all day long. It's what you needed all this time, and you're so glad you invited Jesus to come in and cook. Next, you go, and you relax in the living room. Jesus sits down on the couch, and he says, oh, this is an amazing space. I love it in here. Let's spend time together here. In fact, I have an idea. What if, what if every morning we spent time together here in this place? You and me. We, we can, coffee with Jesus, right? And we can talk and, and I want to hear what matters to you. I want to hear what's on your heart that day. I want to speak to you about that. And, and we, could, we could read the Bible together and, and, and I'm going to give you insights and I'm going to share with you about this and how this can shape your life. You're like, wow, the Son of God wants to spend time with me, wants, wants to be in my life. I want to do this. I want to meet with him. So you start doing that. And you, you meet each morning, and the times are so rich, face-to-face with Jesus there. It makes your whole day better. It changes your whole, your whole life, really, spending these times with Jesus because you're hearing his word, you're hearing his ways, and it's shaping you helps lower your fears and anxiety, helps up your confidence to do his will. It it gives you that guidance that you need. But in time, life happens, right? It's not that you don't value the time with Jesus, but you just get busy and you get doing some stuff. And sometimes you stay up too late. Maybe you're working, maybe you're watching TV, I don't know. But you don't get up quite as early because you slept in a little. Or maybe you have to hurry out because you got to get to the job or you, you got a tea time or whatever it is. And, and you find these times getting a little shorter. Then some more time passes and there's days you just don't make it in at all. And eventually those days are happening more often than you wish they were. And one day you're hurrying out the house and you, you peek into that living room and there's Jesus. And you're like, oh my gosh, Jesus, what, 
what are you doing? Just, you're just sitting in here yourself. Have you been here every day that I haven't? He said, well, yes. We said we'd spend the time. I, I, I came here to spend the time with you. He said, oh, I, I feel bad, Jesus. I, it, I just got a lot going. There's a lot of people that want to talk to me, okay? And it's, it's hard. It's hard to take this time sometimes. And he said, look, you've been viewing this time as just kind of a means to your own spiritual growth. And it is that. But here's what you don't understand. I love this time too. Because I love you. I love talking with my daughter. I love talking with my son. I want this time too. You're really valuable to me. I love you so much. I love it when you set aside that time. What if you looked at your time with Jesus in that way? Might change, might change it again. Well, next you take Jesus into the uh, garage or the workroom or shop or studio, whatever it is you like to do, kind of your hobby work, right? And Jesus, uh, he says, wow, this is awesome. Look at all these great tools in here. What do you make for God's kingdom? Well, if I'm honest, I've got some good tools, but I, I don't. I don't use them a lot. I'm, my skills aren't as good as I'd like them to be. I'm not sure if I can really make something for the Lord. That sounds tough and scary. And I got a couple half-finished projects, but man, I, I don't know, Jesus. I, I don't know that I can do that much. And he says, good news. It's not about you. It's not about all your striving and your trying and all this kind of stuff. It's about me. I want to help you. Why don't you take my yoke upon you? It fits well. It's easy. It's light. Let me help you. Pick up your tools and let's see what we can do together. So you pick up your tools or the brushes or whatever it is you like to do and you start to work and Jesus takes and he puts his hands on yours and he leads you and he guides you like a, a master craftsman or artist. And it's like you're producing the best things you've ever produced. Like you could never imagine these hands producing these things. And, and you say, Jesus, this is amazing. And he says, I want to work through you. I want to work, I want to bless the work of your hands. We're going to do things together that are so much greater than you could have ever done on your own. So after working, you retire down to the uh, rec room, right? And you go downstairs with Jesus. And, and, you know, there's been some things here that you're not the most proud of. Before you became a follower of Jesus, you had some hobbies, some recreations, maybe some addictions or some things that that you're not so proud of. In fact, you were hoping to make it to this room first so you could stash these away, but of course, Jesus gets there first. And you're a little embarrassed, and you kind of just get ahead of this. You say, Jesus, would you clean this space up for me? And he does. He begins to clean it up, and you think, oh, there goes all the fun, right? It's going to be a boring life from now on. But it's not. Instead, Jesus brings in some new friends and some new hobbies and some new activities. And you're having such a great time. And one day he looks over at you and he says, I bet you're surprised, right? You thought I was going to wreck all the fun. Did you forget that I created laughter? <laughs> Did you forget this was my idea? I love watching my kids have a great time. It really changes things. It shapes things. Your life is so much more rich with Jesus in it. Things are going pretty well. One day... You're sitting with Jesus, and you notice this little smell. Not a good smell. You've smelled it before, but you hope he doesn't notice it, right? It's one of those. And he says, you know, what, what is that? And he starts to look around, and he, he finds this closet. He says, oh, it's in there. There's something dead in there. And he goes to open the closet, but it's locked. You know that it's locked. It's intentional. 
For this is a place where you have stuffed away some really painful things from the past. Maybe there were things done to you or things that you did to others. Maybe there are things that nobody else knows about or very few people. And yeah, they stink. You like to pretend they're not there. You like to think that nobody else can tell, but Jesus knows. And he says, we need to clean this out. You have such a beautiful home here. We can't let, let these things damage it. And you say, Jesus, no. I don't ever open that. Door's locked for a reason. He says, I want to clean it. And you find yourself getting angry. For you've given Jesus everything. You've opened all these doors. You've let him change all these things. Can't he leave it alone? Why does he need to go there? But then you begin to think. And you realize how every place that you've let Jesus in, he's made it better. So you decide to take the risk. And you get that key. And you place it in Jesus' hands. And you even have to turn away. For this is so painful. But Jesus opens the door. He cleans out all the yucky stuff. He repaints it. He, he changes it all so much that what used to stink, now it's like a source of fresh air coming into your home. He has truly taken the worst of things and he has made them places of new life. It's like what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And this, my friends, is what Jesus offers you this day. He wants to come in. Like I said, he won't force his way in. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to invite Jesus into your life. Maybe you've never done that. You can pray with me, and he'll do that. He'll come in. When you open the door, he always comes in. Or maybe for you, you opened the door a while back, but if you're honest, you say, you know, there's some rooms, there's some spaces, I haven't really let him in. Or maybe I let him in a while back, but the fact is, I keep going in there and messing everything up again. I want to ask him to come back and to do his work in those rooms. That's what it means to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So would you bow your heads with me, and would you pray and invite him to do just that? Lord, we love you so much. We need you. And Jesus, we ask that you would come into our hearts today. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I trust that you paid the price I could never pay. So I receive your free gift. I receive your salvation. I receive your forgiveness. I thank you that you take my sins and you throw them out as far as the east is from the west. Do the house cleaning that only you can do. And Jesus, I ask that you would come into my life, that you'd come into this home. Would you go through these rooms with me? Lord, would you do that work that only you could do? Would you clean them up? I want you to be the Lord. I confess there's some rooms I have not let you into. Or if I did it a while back, I have taken back over, God. And in my heart now, in a moment of silence, I just confess these to you. Take my life, 
and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take all of me, Jesus. I don't want to hold anything back. I'm sorry for the times where I try to remain part-time manager of my life. Lord, I want to give it to you. In fact, when you come into this heart, your work is so good, Jesus. I just want to sign the title over to you. I want to sign the deed to you this day. I want you to be the owner. I want to live in your house, Jesus. I'm tired of trying to make it my own. It'll be so much better with your leadership, with your lordship. So here I am. Take me. Use me. Do whatever you want, Jesus. I'm yours. I'll be so much better with you living within me. Lord, we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.